Before we have our sermon, I want to take a moment to just acknowledge something that was announced earlier this week. Many of you will know it. Hopefully it doesn't come as a shock to, to too many. Hopefully you were prepared. But uh, we did announce this week that uh, Tim Jackson has entered into the last few months with us. He's not leaving tomorrow, thanks be to God, or, or the day after that. But we know that we've got about six months left in his tenure here. Uh, he and his wife, Tina, have been serving uh, in Mobile so very faithfully while she was doing her residency uh, over at South Alabama. And uh, we knew that when that time came to an end, that that would be the end of Tim's tenure with us as they head back to East Tennessee uh, and to the homeland for them. They found out very recently that that's going to be this summer, and we were able to share that. And uh, we're going to have a lot of time between now and then to say thank you to Tim, to celebrate him, to share memories, to give him a chance to speak. Uh, but for now, for now, we had to acknowledge the moment by bringing him before you and for me to say an initial word of thanks and how grateful I am and how in only six months here as a pastor at Dolphin Way, uh, I have had reason to give thanks to God every time you and I have spoken, every time you've shared about what God was doing in your own heart, in the youth ministry, uh, in the life of your family. Uh, Tim has led our youth, their volunteers, their parents, their families uh, incredibly well, beyond uh, what any of us could have asked or imagined. And we are so grateful to God for Tim's ministry. And I'm gonna ask you now to offer prayers for Tim, for Tina, for their family over the next few months as they prepare uh, to make this move this summer. Offer prayers for our staff parish relations committee that will begin in January, the search for Tim's successor, not his replacement, right? Because we're not going to replace Tim Jackson. Uh, but we will be looking diligently, faithfully, and coveting your prayers as we seek someone who can continue to build on the faithful work that God has done in Tim. And we are going to do everything in our power to have someone here who has a chance to overlap with Tim for a little bit uh, so that that person can learn from uh, one of the best to ever do it. Someone whose example has been a great gift to us and uh, we'll do everything we can to make that transition as smooth and as much a gift to our youth as we can. So please be in prayer for our staff parish committee uh, through that time. And of course for our youth group. Uh, that they might continue to grow in grace and their knowledge and love of God and that these last few uh, several months with Tim uh, will be just another wonderful chapter in the life of faith that they are leaving, leading. But before uh, I let Tim step down and uh, with a word of thanks from me, I'd like to ask you, would you go ahead and show our first round of thanksgiving to Tim and appreciation for all that he has done? Thank you. Thank you for coming Oh, look. I'm going to do my best not to knock that over. And when I do, y'all are just going to carry on like it wasn't a thing, right? Thank you. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, Help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'm curious. Thanksgiving ended in November. Advent did not start until December 1st. How many of you were listening to Christmas music 
before December 1st. Uh-huh, wow, it's a lot of you. How early do we go, I wonder? Anybody here listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? I'm proud of y'all. It took a lot of courage to admit that. How early do we go? Does anybody here listen to Christmas music before November? Trey is hiding. That seems about right. There's not many of us listening before November, just a few, because it, it seems nice. For example, at the end of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, when Ebenezer Scrooge says that he will keep Christmas in his heart all year long, but we know that doesn't work in practice. What Scrooge didn't realize is how touchy people get about Christmas music. I guarantee you he lost some customers over that. They'd come into his counting house in July and they'd hear jingle bells playing on the music and they'd say, these businesses are just pushing Christmas earlier and earlier. I don't have to put up with it. I'll take my money elsewhere. People get touchy about Christmas carols and when you should listen to them. And so this morning I wanna give you special permission. Y'all know that since December 1st, we've been revisiting the original Christmas carols, those spontaneous songs of praise that punctuate the high moments of Luke chapter one and two, the stories of Advent and Christmas, the preparation and arrival of Jesus. But one of the things I bet you haven't heard yet is that these stories, these songs rather, can be sung any time of year. They don't just have to be reserved for Christmas. You can sing them any month. You can sing them every day if you want to. And in fact, some people do. In fact, for the last 1,600 years, there have been Christians who pray these songs that we are talking about every single day. If you go down to Trinity Episcopal, just up the road from us here, and you show up at their, their morning vesper service or their, their morning prayer service on Thursday morning, you will find yourself praying the words that we heard from Zechariah two weeks ago. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. And if you go to evening vespers over at Sacred Heart, you will pray with Mary's song from last week. My soul praises God who has remembered me today in his mercy. He has filled the hungry with good things. Churches and monasteries and individual Christians have been using these songs in this way since the 300s AD. Zechariah's song being the morning prayer, Mary the prayer for sunset, and today's passage, the song of Simeon, is the traditional prayer of bedtime. Let your servant go in peace, for I have seen your salvation. Today we are hearing Christianity's oldest lullaby. And I bet some of us are pretty interested in a prayer that we can use as a part of our bedtime routines. As best as I can tell, a lot of us are desperate for anything that might help us sleep better. Every podcast I listen to is pitching me the latest in sleep technology. I heard an ad the other day that told me I can sleep in the same sheets that three former presidents have on their beds. I assume that the ad was saying the same brand of sheets, not the same sheets themselves. That would be a little weird. 
But if I buy those sheets, I can put them on a Casper mattress that I bought directly from the factory that was delivered to my door and a box that I can unsnip and it will just unfold itself right in the middle of the perfectly prepared room where I have my Lutron blackout shades on a schedule so that they come out to perfectly block out all the nighttime light so I can go to sleep to the sound of rain falling in a jungle on my white noise app. In the morning, I can be awakened by my Philips daytime alarm that creates my own personal sunrise in that darkened room, gently calling me out of slumber into a joyful day. And I can do all this while wearing a Fitbit (laughs) that tracks the quality of my sleep so I can measure each day against the next. If you have been following along with our Dolphin Way Advent devotional, you know that one of the questions John Wesley's small group members used to ask themselves was, am I going to bed on time? And if the state of commerce and technology is any hint, the answer for a lot of us is nope, not ever. We live in a restless age. And it is harder and harder to let go of the day. On most nights, our to-do lists are so long that we feel compelled to burn the midnight oil. But when we get the rare night with nothing to do, we stay up just to enjoy that feeling. We can't bring ourselves to rest until we've watched one more episode of Netflix, beaten one more level on the Xbox, refreshed social media one more time just to see if anything new and exciting has happened since 10 minutes ago. Because who knows when we'll get another chance to relax like this again. Maybe we can't get ourselves to sleep because we are finding it harder and harder to believe that anything is ever truly done. That's the suspicion that kind of haunts our work and our rest and our entertainment, that every day just ends with to be continued, and that life has become one big Marvel movie where the villain is conquered and the battle is won just to set up the sequel. We woke up this morning in a world that is looking anywhere and everywhere for whatever will give them the kind of peace that moved Simeon's heart to sing. How often are you able to end your day by saying, now my heart is free, your promises are fulfilled, I have seen your salvation? What would you give to be able to end a day like that? To be able to pray that prayer and really mean it. What would we give to pray that kind of prayer and really mean it at the end of all our days? The season that we are in right now, this one that we call Advent, it's a season of hope. And a couple weeks ago, we saw what happened to Zechariah when he lost hope. We saw how much it cost him to lose hope. He had an angel in front of his face and he couldn't believe. Then last week, we saw the opposite example, the strength of Mary's hope. The outrageous possibilities she dared to believe in when she announced that a great turning and leveling was coming into the world where the hungry are full and the proud are humbled. And from different directions, both Zachariah and Mary point us down the same path. They push us to dream big dreams and to pray big prayers and to hope for things that others can hardly imagine. But now, here comes Simeon to remind us that the substance of our hopes 
matters as much as the size. Hear that again. The substance of your hopes matters as much as the size. It's not enough just to dream big. Simeon found rest because he knew very specifically what he hoped to see, and he knew when he had seen it. He knew what God had promised, and he knew how to recognize when the promise was fulfilled. Day after day, Simeon showed up in the temple. Day after day, he prayed his prayers. Luke tells us that Simeon was righteous and devout. He had the kind of discipline in his spiritual life that I long for and admire. But Simeon also knew that prayer was not the point of prayer. That he was not there just to go through the motions and just to be disciplined. He knew that he was waiting on something and when it had come, he knew that things had changed. I hope that we don't just admire Simeon for how faithful he was while he waited. I hope we don't just see him as an example of discipline and devotion, but I hope that Simeon also reminds us that one day the waiting will be over. I wonder how often you think about what'll happen the day after you get whatever it is you've been waiting for. We're told that even God rested and enjoyed the creation once it was made. And I wonder if you're hoping for the sorts of things that will truly bring you rest. Or do you hope for things that will make you even more desperate once you've gotten them? Oftentimes, we don't ever wonder what our hopes will really satisfy because we don't want to think about what our hopes really say about us. A few years back, Craftsman Tools had a commercial that accidentally said out loud what we don't want to admit. The ad began with a close-up of this youngish, scruffy-looking guy in jeans and a T-shirt. One side of his face is in shadow, the other is lit by a work lamp. And the camera cuts to his hands that hold two finished planks of wood together while the other hand bolts them together with an unstained steel wrench. And there's only one sentence of dialogue in the whole commercial. It comes at the end when a deep, gruff voiceover of an older man says, whoever complained about burning the midnight oil never won the title world's best dad. And the moment we hear that, the camera cuts back and we see the just-assembled swing set. And we understand that this dad has been up all Christmas Eve laboring over a swing set to make a child squeal and a wife swoon and make even Santa hang his head in defeat. But there's a lot that the camera leaves out. We don't see the dad eating a late dinner because he spent the evening scouring the stores for the perfect swing set kit. We don't see him bolting upright in a cold sweat as he finally does the math on what this swing set will do to the family budget. But most of all, what this ad doesn't want us to think about is the line that comes at the end, the really haunting question, is fatherhood a competition? Is that what we're here for? To win world's best dad. Is it something that we could fail at in that way? Is it all just a competition? And some of the dads here this morning are like, darn right it is. And the women are like, you don't even know competition until you're a mother. <laughs> but that's not the best version of ourselves talking, is it? 
at my best. I remember that my parenting isn't about me or what it says about me or my ego or my reputation. It's about my kids. And there are a lot of good reasons to build a kid a swing set, but surely status is not one. At my best, I know God is not asking me to justify myself or prove myself. And I know that if I hope my kids will justify me or validate me, that is the sort of craving that is never going to be satisfied. Whatever craftsman is teaching me to hope for and long for, I bet it won't help me sleep in peace for very long. I bet craftsman hope involves buying more tools a few months later and a few more a few months after that. And maybe you already suspect that your sleepless nights are not going to end on December 25th. Maybe you're already planning for the letdown, for the ache that follows from yet another disappointed hope. There are so many false hopes in the world. They are big, but they do not satisfy. It might not be status for you. It might be nostalgia. Maybe you're forever chasing a half-remembered feeling from the past. I don't know what false hopes keep you running and I don't know if you even want to stop. Maybe you've gotten to the point you enjoy the running more than the arriving. All I know is that God gives rest and Simeon knew it. And I know that only God can give you rest, not the momentary frantic rest that we buy for ourselves in small doses. The Holy Spirit gave Simeon a hope that he could look for, someone he could see, he could touch, he could hold in his arms, someone real and tangible, a presence who brought real and tangible salvation for real and tangible people beloved by God. Simeon knew what he was waiting for and he knew what would satisfy and when he had seen it, he found rest. And here's the thing, Simeon's rest was something that anyone could have had that day. It wasn't some luxury good that only Simeon could afford. It wasn't some secret thing for the really religiously devout. Luke makes a point of telling us that all of this happened in the temple's courts, the outer courts where men and women were welcome, the courts where even Gentiles could linger. Not everyone had the same prophetic promise as Simeon, but Simeon didn't exactly keep the knowledge to himself. When he saw it, he sang, and anyone with ears to hear could have known that rest was among them. The good news was for everybody. A wonder prepared, quote, in the light of all the nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to Israel. He was there for everybody. And I have some news for you this morning. It's gonna be stressful news for some of you and welcome news to others. Christmas is almost here. It's really getting close now. I mean, just one more Sunday between now and then. And it's going to come for everybody all over the world in the sight of all the nations, and some of you are already planning for the letdown. When Christmas comes, some folks will get what they're waiting for and others will not. And some people will get what they've been waiting for, but then they will find that it doesn't change a thing and they will be sad all over again. But the saddest thing of all would be for us to miss the gift of God that God was holding out to us just because we were hoping for something else. 
Let's not just hope for big things. Let's not just hope for the best, whatever that is. But let's remember and name specifically what we need. Let's learn to hope for the right things, specific things, the things that God has promised us. And that rest you've been waiting for. Hear the good news. It's almost here. And when it comes, you will know because there will be nothing left to do, nothing to prove, no disaster that could take your hope away. And even tonight, when you finally surrender to sleep, God will keep the world spinning. God will watch over you like a parent who just whispered the last note of a lullaby. And even now, in this very moment, here is some rest. May you hope for the things of God. May you find them. And may every day of waiting prepare you to enjoy your hope once you hold it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.